Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to also check out the link to my other podcast. It is called the Quipster Film Review Podcast, where I cover brand new movies out in theaters or on VOD streaming services, maybe new to Netflix or Amazon Prime. You can check all that out at my website, quipster.net. Today, I'm going to be covering the third and final of the films in which a bumbling character appears that comes from an adaptation of an old television show. My previous two episodes covered Get Smart and its films, The Nude Bomb and Get Smart Again. This time, I'm going to be covering a film that does not feature the star of the original show. In fact, it's very different in tone and tempo from the original show. It's from 1987, and it is called Dragnet. Dragnet stars Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Christopher Plummer, Harry Morgan, Dabney Coleman, Alexandra Paul, and Jack O'Halloran are also in the film. The director is Tom Mankiewicz, and the screenplay credited to Dan Aykroyd, Alan Zweibel, and Tom Mankiewicz. Now, as with so many of the movies that were written and starring alumni of Saturday Night Live, Dragnet is one of those cases of an amusing sketch comedy idea that ends up getting dragged out beyond its ability to truly entertain into an entire feature film. This is an updating of the Earnest in Tone television show from the 1950s. It actually was a radio show before that as well. And that starred Jack Webb, and it dramatized how real police cases came together. Now, that long-running show proved to be so popular in its time that they actually made a theatrical film before for their audience after just two seasons of its run in the 1950s. That film was also called Dragnet. It was a 1954 film, and it was directed by Jack Webb himself, and it would become the very first movie based on a TV show. Now, Webb here would also return as a star and director in his iconic role for another movie, this time made for television, called Dragnet 1966. That happened to be a pilot for the TV series that did not air on television until 1969, Getting together and doing that pilot, even though it didn't air until years later, led him to returning to series work for a second television run as Sergeant Joe Friday from the years 1967 to 1970. Now, the origin of this parody of the show, if you want to call it a parody, some might say it's a loving homage, it came from the mind of producer David Permit in the early 1980s after he caught a rerun of the original TV show from the 1950s and he just fell in love with it and felt like he could use that magic as part of a pitch. The premise that he came up with was, what if Sergeant Joe Friday operated in the world of today? How would that come across? Now, Dan Aykroyd was the actor that Permit had in mind for the Joe Friday character from the get-go because he had appeared in a sketch parody of the Jack Webb character in a send-up of Dragnet on a skit he did for Saturday Night Live in 1976. If you're interested, it's Season 2, Episode 3. Eric Idle is the host of that show. Now, Permit pitched the idea to Universal Pictures, who owned the rights to the show, he did it just by singing the first four notes of the iconic theme song, Dum Da Dum Dum, and Universal gave the project a green light without really needing much more than that. Primit contacted Dan Aykroyd, and he loved the concept so much, he thought that was a natural fit. He got to work on a preliminary script to be used for the film while he was absorbing himself into as many reruns of the old Dragnet show as he could. Aykroyd estimates that he watched maybe 100 episodes covering both runs of the TV series. Now, as with most of Aykroyd's solo scripts, 
the end result was over 300 pages, like a phone book size. And it would need a film three times the length of a standard movie to really shoot that script. So he knew he would need to weed out what wasn't necessary from that script into something that would work for the cinema. Ackroyd immediately went to work on a tighter revision, this time bringing in a writing partner from his old days on Saturday Night Live, Alan Zweibel. Zweibel would describe the collaborative process a unique one because Dan Aykroyd spent much of his time as they wrote their drafts of the script in the character of Joe Friday. He said it was almost like living with Joe Friday at that time. Now, Frank Price, the chair of the MCA Motion Picture Group that owned Universal Pictures, thought Aykroyd and Zweibel's script needed more work. They brought in script doctor Tom Mankiewicz to fix the perceptible problems of that script. Mankiewicz coordinated with Aykroyd and Zweibel to come up with new ideas and to get rid of those dead ends that he felt were holding it back. And he ended up working so well with them in patching things up that he was offered the role of director after the originally slated director, Ted Kotcheff, did not like their script. Mankiewicz had just happened to sign a development deal with Universal that had allowed him to write and direct his own films, and Price offered Mankiewicz the chance to make revisions to Dragnet, which the screenwriter felt did need more connective tissue, but it was already quite funny. He just didn't want to go right back to script doctoring, so Aykroyd sat down with him, told him that he could get him out of the deal, but after they ended up talking and reminiscing about their experiences watching the old Dragnet TV show, they realized that they were really on the same page, and Mankiewicz decided to give directing it a go. Although you would gather Dragnet being the title of the film would be a no-brainer, the original script had the name Dragnet 87 attached to it, and it ended up becoming Dragnet 1987, and then ended up getting shortened to the much better title, in my opinion, not long before its release of just Dragnet. Now, Dragnet would mark Mankiewicz's first time directing a feature film. He did have some experience earlier in his career with some directing. He directed 13 episodes of the TV show Heart to Heart, and that was including its pilot, so kind of a feature length there. Mankiewicz knew that a direct translation of the old show was not really going to fly for modern audiences who likely would have laughed at it like they do laugh at old television of the era. You know, Friday's staccato delivery and a stodgy demeanor might seem woefully out of place in cinemas of 1987, so he decided that the best approach to taking on Dragnet was to embrace it as a comedy so that audiences would be laughing along with it instead of at it. The first order of business in casting would be in who would play Friday's stereotypically 1980s-era loose cannon partner, Pep Streback. John Candy was originally sought out while they were putting the cast together in 1985. However, things did not pan out schedule-wise for Candy, so they ended up moving on to Aykroyd's top choice of Jim Belushi in 1986, but that ended up not working out as well schedule-wise. There was some talk about Albert Brooks coming in. Uh, Aykroyd enjoyed working with him for their parts in the Twilight Zone, the movie, but Brooks ended up turning it down. He was not interested in it, and he thought it was a bad fit. Eventually, they brought in Tom Hanks. He was offered and accepted the role. Despite really not being very familiar with the TV show, he was not a fan, but he felt the script that he read was funny, and he thought it would be fun to play a cop in an action flick for once, and he liked the people involved, despite already being a lead performer by this point of his career. He felt drained by the experience of doing dramatic work in films like Nothing in Common and the little scene Every Time We Say Goodbye. He thought Dragnet would provide a breather, especially since most of the success of the film really did not rest solely on his shoulders. It would also provide a good chance to be back into a financially lucrative film, he thought, because he had been on a slide since his breakthrough in Splash three years prior. 
Bachelor Party was a hit, but that was really coming off of the heels of Splash. Although playing Sergeant Joe Friday's nephew, Dan Aykroyd is pretty much doing a spot-on stoic caricature of Jack Webb throughout the entire modern take of Dragnet. He even provides the voiceover narration akin to the old radio and TV shows, even though Hanks does notably riff on this by narrating a sequence later in the film when Friday is kicked off of the police force. The entire premise is carried really by the comic performance of Aykroyd and the colorful supporting cast. Aykroyd was a huge fan of the TV show and Jack Webb's portrayal. He listened to cassette tapes on his Walkman of the old radio show while he was on the set off camera to keep the inflections and the delivery fresh in his mind at all times. While he also took lessons on how Webb walked from Marco Lopez, who doubled for Jack Webb on the 1960s version of the TV show, and knew how to capture his walk and his gait and all of his mannerisms. Now, in addition to his love of Webb and Dragnet, Dan Aykroyd also loves all things to do with cops and criminal justice. He studied criminology for four years at Carleton University in Ottawa prior to leaving college to pursue a comedy career. In fact, one of his proudest of hobbies is his collection of police badges from a host of different municipalities, ranging anywhere from Canada all the way down to Mexico. His fandom for cops even got him an honorary membership to the Long Beach Police Officers Association. And despite loving law enforcers, Aykroyd himself is not one to always faithfully obey the laws. He smoked copious amounts of pot long before it would be legal. But he is fascinated by police procedurals like Dragnet. In Tom Mankiewicz's memoirs, which were published posthumously in 2012 as My Life as a Mankiewicz, an insider's journey through Hollywood, he revealed that Saturday Night Live producer Lauren Michaels once quipped that Dan Aykroyd's ultimate fantasy would be to commit the perfect crime and then arrest himself. Now, Dragnet is funny in spots. I would say it's not enough to hold together the entire way. The ridiculous plot and the unappealing sitcom direction by Mankiewicz do keep the film in the realm of bland at best, and sometimes it can be pretty awful. The movie is not really so much a spoof of the old television show as it is one joke premise, which is how funny would it be to see the Jack Webb character of the TV show fighting crime in a modern-day cop film? similar to Beverly Hills Cop or Lethal Weapon, with all of the smut and the vice and the depravity that goes along with it. Now, Ackroyd here is not playing Webb's character Joe Friday in this film, but rather his nephew with the same name and personality. On the original show, Friday's partner was very much on the same page. The screenwriters make a concerted effort here to keep his partner grounded in the world of today, though, because the key to comedy is that Joe Friday and his worldview of a cop in the 1950s and 1960s was unique in this realm. Finding another cop like him would probably be extremely rare, and having two partnered with each other on the same police force in the same car would be too much for an audience to really believe. So instead, he's assigned a roguish new partner named Pep Strebeck, played by Tom Hanks, with which to fight crime with, although... Pep Strebeck is more of a modern breed of a cop. He does not respect the rule of law that Sergeant Friday does to his core. Strebeck here is used as the person we identify with in order for the comedy and the banter between them to work because Strebeck recognizes and comments on Friday's out-of-date attitudes and his behavior in time. Now, their first case together sees them trying to crack a slew of recent murders in Los Angeles, ostensibly done by this mysterious cult known as Pagan, Pagan standing for People Against Goodness and Normalcy. 
They leave calling cards at the scenes of their crimes, and signs point to the direction of a smarmy TV evangelist named Reverend Jonathan Worley, played by Christopher Plummer, and a shady smut merchant named Jerry Caesar, played by Dabney Coleman. Joe Friday and Pep Strebeck rescue a sacrificial virgin at one of their rallies. Connie Swale, played by Alexander Paul. And for the first time in his life, Sergeant Friday has found someone he thinks might be wholesome enough to consider as a potential mate. Although he ends up getting a little too involved to really think fully clearly or to play things as by the book when his heart is involved. Now, beyond all of that, there's much more to the story, but this is not a film that you watch because you enjoy the plot. Dan Aykroyd here is delivering one of his best comic portrayals in Dragnet, I feel. At first glance, it seems like a superficial impression, but he does embody Jack Webb in his caricature so much that, according to others on the set, he could literally have been Jack Webb all day and night without breaking character. Harry Morgan, who starred with Webb on the second Dragnet TV run, said that when he closed his eyes, whenever Aykroyd was performing in the role of Friday, he would swear that Jack Webb was there in the room with him again. The only difference is that Jack Webb often performed from a teleprompter, whereas Dan Aykroyd ripped much of his dialogue because he felt a teleprompter would screw up his performance. And once you follow Joe Friday for a bit, you begin to appreciate the subtle ways that Aykroyd manages to get in laughs through such a deadpan delivery. He raises an eyebrow here. He commits a lengthy stare there. Aykroyd manages to convey something more inside Friday's head than just an adherence to the law. And the result is some pretty good chuckles along the way, mostly at his expense. Now, Tom Hanks plays a rare second fiddle role here. He offers a geniality and a modernity to counter the antiquated demeanor of Friday. Hanks is gracious enough to let Aykroyd hog the spotlight, and he plays the setup man for Friday's increasing digressions into silliness. I would say that Tom Hanks is a little bit miscast here. Hanks has always seemed rather clean-cut himself as an actor. Even if our first impression of him is of a scuzzy slob, it's really not easy to buy him in that role, especially as he appears cleaned up for the remainder of the movie in a way that we're used to associating with Tom Hanks. Mankiewicz would end up having to film several takes for each particular scene because of his observances of the differences in the approach between Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Dan Aykroyd comes from the world of sketch comedy, where his first take is usually his best and most inspired, so when he would do subsequent takes, they were not as lively or as interesting because he felt he was going through a lot of the same motions trying to capture that inspiration. Tom Hanks is more of a seasoned actor, so he gets better with more takes to play with. Mankiewicz made a pact with them that he would do several takes for each scene, he would let Dan Aykroyd riff in those early takes, and Tom Hanks could nail down his reactions in subsequent ones, and what worked best would be edited together in post-production. I would say the best performance of the film, other than Dan Aykroyd's, comes from a lively and engaged one from Christopher Plummer playing the televangelist, which was... Televangelism was a hot topic at the time. You had scandals involving the likes of people like Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and actually a few others. Plummer studied televangelists for a couple of weeks prior to shooting his scenes. He was struck in particular by Pat Robertson and his habit of smiling and giggling at his own jokes or internal thoughts as he spoke to his audience. He based his role on Robertson's manner of delivery on his TV show. Mankiewicz states that his only direction for someone of Plummer's experience was really just to tell him to turn up the level of his performance a little bit more up or down for certain scenes, and the rest was really his to do with what he will. The same went with Dabney Coleman, who he didn't have to really direct at all. He came up with the idea for his delivery, and he pretty much took care of it. 
Unfortunately, that did lead to a rather lackluster Coleman performance. He adopted a comic lisp for his role that only adds to the semblance of comedy without actually making it funny. Coleman said he added that lisp to differentiate his southern-accented delivery that he gives in Dragnet from the one he used in 1981's Modern Problems. At least he comes off much better than the cranked-up Jack O'Halloran as the highly exaggerated comic book henchman Emil Muzz. Really kind of a stereotypical Bond villain there. Now, Joe Friday's private life was never explored on the TV show, but there is a concerted effort in this film to give his nephew a love interest. Many actresses were interested in the virgin Connie Swale role, including Dan Aykroyd's wife, Donna Dixon. Mankiewicz nixed most of them because he wanted someone with a fresh virgin face, ultimately going for former model Alexandra Paul after seeing her in a small role in American Flyers. Now, despite Paul's inexperience, which he felt might be actually good for the role, Mankiewicz did choose her for the role. Paul found the experience of it initially intimidating, maybe a little too much. She was not engaging with the rest of the cast or crew when she was brought in. Mankiewicz encouraged Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks to make every effort to make her feel welcome and to include her in their conversations and their socializing, which they did, and soon she was feeling much more of a part of the set and actually made a solid contribution to the film in her role. Dragnet would come in over budget and behind schedule, and that made Universal quite a bit nervous, especially when they learned that the editing process might also go beyond its schedule. One thing that Mankiewicz had to contend with was the sheer amount of footage that he had captured for filming. He spooled off about 30,000 feet of film, and he had to edit out about two-thirds of it to make it a viable motion picture for release. After all of that editing, there came a slew of test screenings to see what worked and what didn't comedically and for part of the story. Mankiewicz asked for audiences to just watch the film without having opinion cards or studio reps there, which Universal said that they would agree to. However, the son of Universal Pictures president, Sid Scheinberg, did catch a sneak preview and declared the film was a disaster in its current state, and it wasn't playing enough as a comedy, and it ran still far too long. So further edits would have to be made and scenes reshot to lower the runtime and to reduce the scenes that came across as a tad too serious in tone and would end up in lulls. Local police had been involved with Dragnet's security and to close off portions of the city for their shoot out and about in their locales. The portrayal of the LAPD had then Los Angeles Police Chief Daryl Gates concerned about the image of the police force. He would send some of his assistants to those preview screenings to see how they came off. Luckily, those assistants said that there was nothing to worry about because it's a comedy that plays up with affection instead of ridicule. Now, for the purpose of promoting safe sex in this era where the AIDS epidemic had been a spotlight in the media, there was an additional scene in those reshoots that was inserted into the film after principal filming had completed. Pep Strebeck is contemplating sex with a fellow female LAPD officer. He reaches into a box for a condom, and he's disappointed to find out that he's completely out, and that thwarts his desire to go forward with his notions. Although most audiences today might not view this scene as anything special, at the time of its release, it would be well publicized that Dragnet was the first film really to directly respond to the AIDS epidemic by promoting safe sex in the film. Mankiewicz had been editing the film, and he had a couple of scenes cut, so he needed another scene to play as a bridge between the other scenes that were left in the film. So he and Hanks came up with this idea to further contrast the modern realities of sexual behavior of the time. He contrasted Joe Friday's abstinence with Pep Strebeck's promiscuity, but also offered that Strebeck is ultimately a responsible person underneath his rock and roll lifestyle. 
Now, Dragnet is at its best when Joe Friday engages in straight-laced, by-the-book dialogue and exceedingly judgmental attitude, whether with his partner or questioning a witness or interrogating a suspect or briefing his boss, Captain Gannon, played by Harry Morgan, who had appeared playing Friday's partner on the television show's return in the 1960s. Dragnet ends up losing most of its appeal when Friday is off of the screen or when the film devolves into extended chase or action sequences that feel like they're padded out to please action fans. It adheres to a standard buddy cop formula, including a scene at a strip club that feels really out of place for the demographics of this film. Although it is comical, it's not nearly as funny as you'd think it should be for long stretches at a time. The soundtrack, starting with Art of Noise's modernized electro-hip-hop version of the Dragnet theme song, I think is terrible. And that terribleness is further exemplified by the abominable rock and rap song performed by Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks themselves over the end credits called City of Crime, which was written by Peter Aykroyd, Dan's brother. Aykroyd and Hanks did come back for a couple of days to shoot a promotional music video for that song, City of Crime. It was choreographed by Paula Abdul. And it's actually quite fun if you watch it. If you've seen this film, I do encourage you to watch the music video for City of Crime. You can find it on YouTube very easily. Although Siskel and Ebert would give Dragnet their blessing of two thumbs up, Siskel boldly suggested that Dan Aykroyd's performance in Dragnet should get Oscar consideration. The film has generally received mixed reviews and audience reactions since the time of its release. Dragnet still would prove to be a lucrative venture, though. It held the number one spot at the box office in its first two weeks of its release. It bested the debuts of other silly comedies like Spaceballs and Inner Space, and it ended up racking over $57 million in the United States and an additional $9 million internationally, and that placed it as the 13th highest-grossing film of 1987. And that was all off of an estimated budget of $20 million. So, a hit. Not a blockbuster like Ghostbusters, but definitely it could have fared much worse at the box office. Universal ended up wanting to make a sequel. Tom Hanks, though, turned from a star to a superstar in 1988 after his performance in Big, and that made a return to the sidekick role of Strebeck practically out of the question. They suggested once again trying to go for John Candy to play a new partner. Aykroyd and Mankiewicz were not really interested in writing another script, though. Aykroyd did write a script, but Universal thought it had a lot of problems, and he really did not want to continue on from there. Before they were famous, the Farrelly brothers ended up commissioned to come up with a draft script, which Mankiewicz says didn't really work as a complete film, but he does admit there were some funny bits in it, but it really didn't go anywhere. And pretty soon, the window of opportunity ended up closing for a follow-up. Now, Aykroyd fans, I think, will like Dragnet more than most. Maybe if you're a little nostalgic for the old-time police drama, you'll give it a look as well, or just films in the 1980s you may have grown up on. However, I will say, except for Dan Aykroyd finding laughs at the ever-serious Joe Friday's expense, I think the facts are that this is pretty standard to substandard stuff in most other categories as a film. But as for me... While I don't consider Dragnet to be a good film overall, I do think it's a film that I've surprisingly returned to frequently for the elements I do like. I've probably seen Dragnet maybe 10 times over the years, which is quite a lot for a film I don't consider to be that good. So I guess you could call Dragnet a guilty pleasure. Maybe you could call it my vice, my equivalent of chili dogs, because Joe Friday's vice in this film, other than cigarettes, is chili dogs. This is my version of chili dogs. Not good for me, but still, for some reason, I like its flavor enough to indulge over the years. But because it's not a film I could wholeheartedly recommend, I'm going to 
give it a shade lower than a recommendation. I'm going to give it two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I do think that it had the tools, it had the talent to be a film I could consider recommending to most people. And what I think it's really lacking here is something more for these characters to do besides get injected to a formula cop film. It's very cartoonish in a lot of respects, and it's kind of embarrassing in that way. And the plot is a real stinker. I don't really like it. It's not really in keeping with the television show. It it goes into the level of camp that you would never have found on the original show. So as far as being a parody of the old show, I think it loses its way by trying to be sensational, and I don't think that it ultimately succeeds. So two and a half stars is the best I can give 1987's Dragnet. Now that concludes the bumbling characters. I've done quite a few, actually, if you really want to go back through the Pink Panther and the Frank Drebbins and all of those characters. I'm going to shift away from these. I could probably continue with quite a bit more detective films, detective comedies of the 1980s. But after doing like half a dozen of them, I'm going to shift into another property that's based off of an old TV show. Actually, it was a TV show from the 1960s, but it was brought back in the end of the 1970s. And that series I'm talking about is Star Trek. So from 1979, the next episode will be Star Trek, the motion picture. Even though it's not a film of the 1980s, a lot of its sequels took place in the 1980s. So I will be covering that starting in 1979. So check that out. Star Trek, the motion picture for next week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on Dragnet that I didn't cover here, you can impart them to me if you reach out to me at my website. You can go to find links to my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my Instagram. You can also find my email address. All of those are adequate ways to get in touch with me. So check that out at quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. All I really need is just the facts.